0: Hello. This is Kumbasike. This is Connor, and this is episode forty-seven. Today, I'm talking to Daria. Daria is initially from Kazakhstan, currently in Vietnam, and is the founder of Help Saigon Homeless. How are you, Daria? Uh,
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me here. It's it's actually the first time I'm being recorded on the podcast. I'm a podcast on a podcast version. So please be gentle to me. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> It'll be easy,
0: easy introduction. Most people who come on are actually debut podcast version as well. So.
1: Yeah, cool, cool. So yeah. um,
0: do you mind then, you're from Kazakhstan. Do you mind telling me a bit more about your background?
1: Yeah, I'm from Kazakhstan. I'm a long-term expat in Vietnam. It's been almost six years. And uh, I'm 39 and uh, currently I work for a company. Uh, we, uh, so my job is to set up uh, remote dedicated teams for our clients in Australia, Canada, Western Europe. And our business is mostly in uh, video games, mobile games, uh, software, QA, QC, data insertion. So it's quite a diverse portfolio. Yeah, and uh, I left Kazakhstan like over six years ago, around six years ago. And uh, I had a, like tremendous career in advertising before. And before leaving, I was a general manager of like a uh, big shot agency there, international one. And I had to leave actually because we, uh, Kazakhstan is still a very conservative and very homophobic country. I see, yeah. It's not is- Islamic or uh, anything, but just people are too, like, conserved. And uh, it's the nice, largest country in the world, but the population is only 18 million, one eight. So we uh, we developed a poster for a gay bar, and then it leaked to internet, I woke up famous, you know, and then we had trial after trial, and we were. Uh, sued for inappropriate advertising, and then, uh, we paid for uh, for those charges. But after that, we, uh, my company was sued for moral damage from 34 people that saw this poster and they got so heartbroken. You know, actually, it was all set up by authorities. You know, but uh, Kazakhstan so, is very
0: corrupted. So 34 people saw this poster for a gay bar and yeah. were outraged, and that's why you were sued.
1: Yes, correct. Right. Okay. And we lost in all instances and the fine was quite huge for a company like ours. It was almost $200,000 at that currency rate. So I uh, lost another trial and I went out and uh, and at that time it was huge, like Human Rights Watch were for for us, you know, making statements. They made our poster uh, uh, cover of their annual report that year and uh, i had interviews with bbc and cnn and the guardian the independent you know and uh, oh, gosh. Th- that was really huge but like our uh,
0: yeah, our
1: system is so dump and bulky you know they didn't realize the uh, impact they created you know yeah, I see they could just wrap it up you know and uh, everybody's fine and we do our work you know. but mm. uh, uh, eventually like, we saved the agency uh, people kept their jobs and, uh, clients stayed with us just under a different name And uh, like I told you, I went out from another trial, that was the final one, before going to Supreme Court, which I didn't want to pursue. And I decided that I don't want to live in this country anymore with these people. How many trials did you have? Oof, man, Uh, seven, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we spent like uh, uh, loads of money for lawyers and uh, everything. And of course, I couldn't manage my agency well, because I was always preparing for the trial, or drinking after a trial, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then I was, oh, I knew that that debt would be on me. And I decided uh, to flee as soon as possible. So I finished all my stuff that I had uh, in, in Kazakhstan. And I was leading two uh, big charities at that time. One was helping the poor families uh, in difficult situations uh, in Almaty, where I'm from, my home city. And the other one is, uh, I was working with uh, children's hospice. Luckily, I found trustworthy and reliable people, you know, that I handed this uh, over to. Yeah. And I first went to Ukraine. So I spent like, what, maybe four months there, just digitally detoxing from all the hatred I was getting online, all the threats. And uh, I spent uh, a few months in the, uh, in the countryside. With no internet, you know, just a big river, mm. a forest what yeah. was that
0: like digitally detoxing somewhere
1: how, uh how did the you find the, it? the owners of the house that I was renting uh, they had a nice library you know with books in uh in Russian the language that I speak English and uh, even German that I don't speak, although I'm quarter German <laughs> anyways um, and uh, we were just enjoying the nature, getting water from the well you know and the, my kid was there with me and then i w- I was like uh, work, uh searching for, for for a job in Asia. I like Asia a lot, like not as much as I like europe for instance mm. and i'm, I'm a well traveled person and finally, I got this offer from Vietnam and they first flew me here uh for four days to meet the team and meet the clients to see the office and what Saigon is like. I knew nothing about Vietnam and, uh, To me, like for most people from Kazakhstan, Vietnam is like rice fields, malaria, (laughs) something like that. Uh, The office of my employer was in Traudien in the White Ghetto, uh, and they put me in Traudien Village, that luxury hotel, and we were meeting the clients in the downtown district one. It gave me a totally wrong perception of what Vietnam is, what Saigon is. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, but anyways I got, a, uh, I got a really good offer and uh, I decided to move here. Uh, so I stayed with uh, uh, this advertising agency as a business director for uh, big global brands uh, for nearly three years mm. and it's kind of it 's sad to admit it you know but uh, Vietnam made me hate my job oh, okay. uh, because it 's still an emerging market, and uh, the level of creativity is uh, um, Pretty low. I mean, we all see those ads uh, uh, at the elevator area, you know, on those screens. It's a lot of overacting. Uh, there's there are zero creative ideas. And it's especially in FMCG. That's what uh, you mean. Yeah. So
0: then how did you get started out in advertising? In the main thing, what was it about advertising that appealed to you?
1: Uh well, my parents. Well, in their time, my parents forced me to get a degree in law. I never worked a day as a lawyer, and then I was lucky enough you know to get into one of the best agencies in the sure. market and Actually, uh, the same network was my last agency in this industry so three years ago, I decided to make a career switch and uh, I was thirty six at that time. It was not an easy decision mm.
0: uh,
1: because I was doing it for sixteen years, and that 's the only thing I know you know um, and um, but um, I thought like. I cannot swear, yeah, <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, no I, I, yeah, I just like, let like, go to hell, you know, and, uh, and at that time I was dating a, a guy, he, he was a cinematographer, and we decided to start our own thing, uh, which was about filmmaking workshops for adults, for teenagers. Uh, we were making cash, and it was okay, but then we broke up, you know, everything went to hell, uh, and I, w- I started looking for uh, a different occupation uh, after six months uh, of not going to the office, to an office, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I kn- knew exactly that I don't want to go back to advertising mm. here. And I love Vietnam so much. I have a lot of friends here, uh, uh, so I really wanted to stay. I see. Yeah, and then I uh, tried interviews for HR companies that needed expats to uh, recruit other experts for C positions. And then some architectural bureaus, you know. But for some reasons, I didn't feel like it's something uh, I would want to do. And then I landed in this company that I'm with for t- the past two and a half years. Although I'm making way less cash, you know, than I used to back in the advertising world. But I'm way happier. I don't have any overtime. My weekends belong to myself again. Like My work and life balance is great. And since uh, uh, I uh, s- stopped being a raging alcoholic because of my hectic job, you know, or getting more white hair, um, I had more free time on my hands, and uh, I was thinking that I, I should get a hobby or something. Back in Kazakhstan, I was a weekend DJ, often, mm. like, resident DJ, even. Uh, but here, with all that Vina Trance and Vina House, you know, I was struggling to find uh, my space. Yeah, the, sure. Here. Yeah, here. Yeah. So I dropped it in and then I started doing occasional stand-ups uh, Open mics. Uh, you had Jeremy. In, yes, uh, I did. Yeah. nine. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, These guys the comedians they are very uh, welcoming and very uh, friendly community you know, That it's very easy to blend in if you're like, a normal and friendly person yourself.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah So I made a lot of, like, a lot of friends there Mm. And uh, I still do that occasionally. I now have a lot of new material piled up, but like I just don't have the time because it's hard to make the time when you have a full time job. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. And
1: when you have a teenage kid and I have a dog and three cats, quite um, a hectic schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so then let's move on to help Saigon homeless. Do you mind yeah. telling me yes. about that? Uh,
1: and then after like my hobby side was sorted, you no, know, I decided that uh, I need to start. Given back to the community, uh, to the place I call home now, and I started searching for different charity groups on Facebook. And in July 2019, I uh, joined Help Saigon's Homeless Group. At that time, it was uh, run by an awesome Egyptian guy, Osama. Uh, he uh, then got stuck in uh, Egypt for a long while, and now he moved to Dalat because he's an IT expert and he can work from anywhere. Uh, Yeah, so I joined them, at that time they were uh, uh, copying the model of Help Hanoi's Homeless Group, which was an inspiration uh, for the local chapter. Help Hanoi's Hanoi's Homeless Group is run by uh, Christopher Axey, so in case you're listening to this podcast from Hanoi, please join their rides every Thursday uh, and find them on Facebook, Help Hanoi's Homeless. Uh, So back to Saigon. it was just a group of people, irregular ones, who would uh, meet not every Thursday, but every other Thursday by the central post office, and we would just bring whatever we have to donate, and then we would like randomly uh, ride around the city, we homeless, where are you? You, know? yeah.
0: you didn't have any route, like, would you ever think, oh, I'm going to go to Bintan, or we're going to go to D2, or did you literally just go wherever?
1: We, uh, with time, you know, we, uh, we would remember, you know, the streets where we have seen the homeless, like Chang Dao, you know, or uh, Ba like Hai, like this. Uh, and later on, I decided to ramp it up, because my new job was operations director, and I'm really good at setting up processes and uh, operations as such. Yeah, and uh, the first thing uh, was to find the storage. And I started looking for uh, other charity groups again, which Mm. we could uh, uh, join efforts with. But I couldn't find any because uh, their calendar of events was very scattered, and I wanted to do that every week, every given Thursday. Uh, And then finally, I bumped into uh, a guy, Diego, who uh, owns and runs uh, Reborn Gym uh, in District Two on Chanao Street. He's a great guy, he's a freaking amazing guy. And uh, I saw that he's posting in expert groups that uh, he is uh, having his gym as a uh, donation drop-off point for rice for poor families. So I texted him and we started talking and he said, yeah, sure, you can use my gym. And then conveniently the social distancing campaign started mm. in, in March last year. So the uh, his gym was... At, just for us, you know, we could do anything for that with that. Yeah. And he spared us a room for the storage, and that uh, allowed me to um, establish some kind of a, um, system of getting bulk donations from uh, individuals, right? And we were with in Reborn for like seven or eight months, I think I'm super grateful to Diego for, for accommodating us and all our needs and having so many people every Thursday. Uh, but then he needed his room for uh, his uh, new business endeavors, and nothing wrong with that. He gave us a few weeks' notice, so I had enough time to find the new storage, which is now Master Meals in Anfu. Uh, it's a kitchen that uh, cooks and delivers healthy meals for uh, people in Saigon, for gyms, for athletes. Yeah. And uh, they gave us like, a very clean room, and because they cook food there, uh, it's a very clean space. Like no cockroaches, no ants, no rats, of course, mm. because we store a bunch of food supplies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and we continue doing our thing. So what we do is uh, every Thursday, we first meet uh, with the repacking team. We repack the food supplies, all those huge boxes and the heavy uh, cases of water and milk and everything, into individual um, essential bags biodegradable bags, yeah. Uh, Each one, uh, each bag contains a number of items that are enough to survive on for a few days. So it's cup noodles, and then they can reuse the cup to eat the sachet noodles that we put in. And we have milk, we have a can of uh, meat or fish or uh, sausages, Uh, then we have water, a fruit, and a banh mi. A mask too. So this is the set of items we'd never compromise on. So I have to have it in the storage every Thursday, yes or yes. If we have something else to put on, like a uh, that's Ho, that's a, um, like a military uh, nutritious snack, you know, which is full of uh, different elements that you need, you know, but it's very small, but very, very nutritious. Or uh, essential oils, you know, that local people believe that they can heal everything, you know. Yeah, well. Yeah, true. Yeah, so we do that, and uh, uh, then my community on Facebook started growing and growing. Uh, right now, I'm proud to say that we have uh, at least 20, 22 bikes every week. Really? Yeah, and each bike is, uh, has two people. You know, so uh, it's uh, a team of at least 40 people I have to coordinate uh, every week, but our retention rate is pretty high. You know, I'd say it like probably 75%. Yeah. That means 75% these are people who are returning every week so mm. I don't have to train them again yeah. and moreover they uh, they train others. Yeah, of course. So it took us a few months of location scouting to uh, put three uh, routes on Google Map. So consequently I have three teams. Uh, each team has captains who train people and who uh, guide people and they know the route like ABC. Yeah, and uh, we have captain support team in every team who usually drive at the back and make sure no one gets lost you know, or left behind. Mm. Yeah, and uh, So we distribute at least 230-250 uh, uh, food bags yeah. every week and uh, 110
0: banh Okay, and can I ask you how come you feel the work you're doing is important? What is it that makes you keep doing it? Uh,
1: so at first I was not aware about the homeless issue uh, here. Because when you live in District 2, and I was in, uh, I was living in Tlaudeen for a long while, uh, they don't let homeless people in, they don't let beggars in. So the foreigners don't see all that uh, mystery, misery and injustice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you, you don't see that much. You see a lot of poor people, yeah, beggars, but uh, like in every other Asian, megapolis, right? Mm. But when I start, joined that group, uh, I saw some pictures they were posting, I thought, oh, it's a nice, fun community mixed a mix of locals and foreigners, and I was open to have, to make more friends here, outside work. Right? Uh, and, uh, and then you, you actually see that there's a huge number of homeless on the streets. And uh, actually, Saigon authorities, they had a census uh, in October 2019, which revealed that there are only 39 homeless households in the city. 39 my ass, right? We are distributing like 250 food bags and still not enough mm-hmm. and we need to establish more routes, you know, so we can have the entire city covered um, I must admit, you know, that the, the uh, Issue with the homeless here is not as bad as in Hanoi for instance. There is just mortifying you know, and I admire what the uh, Help Hanoi's homeless group is doing there Yeah, and we arrived pretty late after ten p m uh the reason the reason is is that uh at the daytime it's very hard to detect the homeless people on streets yeah, because of, of the course. congestion and like, crowds of people and all those ground floor businesses open and what they do during the daytime and they roll around and they collect scrap which they sell at the end of the day and they make as little as just twenty thousand now. Uh, And then after 10 p.m., when uh, the ground floor businesses are uh, are closed, they start making their bed on the porches of these small shops.
0: So it's easy to detect after 10 p.m. who is genuinely homeless and who isn't.
1: Yeah, and uh, you just uh, mentioned one interesting thing. We face a lot of fake homeless. Like I have a whole ass tutorial, you know, for the newbies on how to distinguish a real homeless person from a fake one. We are not the only charity group that's feeding the homeless in town, and sometimes we cross and we see each other, and we just wave to each other and cheer each other, and yeah. that's it, but we don't have time just to stop and chat and course, yeah, understand yeah. who they are. And our contact with every homeless person is, is very short, yeah, know, we just leave the bag, you know, and we, we check if a person needs immediate medical attention or uh, anything else.
0: Yeah, I see. Yeah. And so then what sort of things are you looking to achieve in the future with Help Saigon
1: homeless? Uh, well, um, uh, you understand that uh, uh, feeding the homeless, yeah, it's a great thing and uh, uh, our storage is full and we have so many supporters and I have uh, this amazing little community of uh, uh, great kind-hearted people that are happy to meet each other and I enjoy looking how, seeing like how people uh, develop friendships and relationships, how they network and then they do their own charity acts. Acts outside uh, my group, and uh, th- that's great. I made I made so many friends for uh, in this community. Like shitty people, they wouldn't join my group yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I do a press selection. I chat with every person that wants to join because I need to fill them in first. Yeah. And I uh, I need to know that uh, if he or she is genuinely uh, eager to help, or it's another snowflake with uh, uh, emotional issues that just wants to. Uh, um, help themselves with the, uh, at the expense of my group. Right, but they wouldn't be really helpful. And they wouldn't come back, for sure. Yeah, so, but it's uh, it's like throwing food into a black hole every week, right? And I wish we could do it more often, well, maybe twice a week. But uh, we're just not at the right capacity right now, and people are busy. Yeah, I can and understand. I am busy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like uh, patching the issue without resolving it, actually. So I have these two programs in mind uh which I really want to uh, bring to reality but I, I need more guns because I'm managing it pretty much alone um so one of them is uh, uh for the elder homeless, which are the majority on streets uh and they, it's it's heartbreaking to see uh elder people you know who uh, who are not cared by their uh, children anymore which is very uncommon for Vietnam, you know, it's usually three generations yeah. living on the same roof. <coughs> yeah, and, uh, I wish we could have a few shelters around the city where uh, and we would just give away leaflets and we would tell the, the, these homeless that this is the nearest shelter to them. And that would be so much easier for us, you know, to bring doctors and nurses and barbers and clean clothes and uh, meds And, of course, food, you know, uh, just to the same location.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and give them all the attention they need. And then tackle them case by case. Maybe, I don't know, they have amnesia, you know, or maybe they lost touch with their uh, family. Or maybe they have their family somewhere in the highlands, but they don't have the money to go back home. You know?
0: Yeah. So
1: we can help with that. And the other program is, uh, uh, the working title is Back to Square One. It's for the younger, homeless. Uh obviously for those to whom the being on street wasn't a choice. Because being on the street is kind of fun and easy, yeah, for me as well. Um so and I already have like a few businesses, you know, ready to support this program. I just need a Vietnamese cool, mature and committed project manager to run both of these programs. Unfortunately, like my Vietnamese sucks, you know, and I'm not a citizen, you know, and uh, we don't have a legal entity yet. Yet, so if if you're listening to me now, like well, please find me on Facebook. Uh, let's chat about it.
0: Yeah, where can we find you on Facebook? What details do you have online that we can? Oh,
1: uh, help Saigon's homeless. Uh, that's the group, and I'm the only person who's posting there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, Daria Khan. So the uh, essence of uh, this program is that we give a second chance uh, or a third chance, fourth chance, uh, depends on their background, right? Uh, We give them a job that doesn't require any uh, qualifications like kitchen staff or uh, security guards or working at the parking lot. And uh, the businesses that would partner with us, they would train them to learn a new skill. Uh, From our side, we would provide a room. Uh, with shower, uh, clean clothes, a haircut, you know, some medical attention if they need it. And for the first three months, they're not getting any salary. They are just getting trained, and uh, they have three meals a day, and uh, probably some pocket money. And after three months, if they prove themselves accountable, they didn't steal anything, they didn't run away back to the street, yeah. We give them another chance uh, to be uh, um, officially employed, you know we can help to sort their ID, social insurance, uh, uh, tax number, whatsoever, and then they uh, slowly become the um, citizen. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That sounds cool. And so then, I suppose we're coming up to like the final type of question. So we've kind of covered the homeless uh, aspect. In terms of you personally, Daria, are there any other projects that you're looking to go into in the near future, or is that a tricky question?
1: Yeah, glad you asked. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm supporting uh, uh, some uh, animal rescue charities here. Yeah. Uh, and also my group is curating an orphanage in Govap. They're doing pretty well, you know, they don't need like, inst- the constant attention or something. They have around uh, seventy, eighty kids of all ages. And uh, what we do is, for instance, they need a new fridge because the old one is broken. Is broken we get them a fridge, or a nanny needs a new bike, I a mean, second hand bike, we get her a bike. Uh, or, or in the beginning of the last academic year, we prepared all the kids for school
0: yeah. with uh,
1: proper school books and stationery and school bags. So when they go to a public school, they don't feel like outsiders. They have exactly the same stuff that other kids have. There. Yeah. I see. So that's what we do. and. Um, We've been in touch with uh, uh, the teacher's community here and we really want to uh, get that program started. But again, I need a uh, Vietnamese project manager for that too. Um, we want to teach kids not just English, you know, that's easy. Uh, we want to teach them some skills like bakery or carpentry you know, or drawing, yeah. uh, tattoo drawing, you know, yeah. so or whatever, something. That would help them to adapt when they uh, graduate from right,
0: the orphanage. I see. Yeah. yeah, okay, that sounds great. So yeah, Daria, thanks very much for coming on. I've really appreciated the conversation. and The pleasure is all mine, man. Yeah. All the best with Help on Homeless and beyond with all the work that you're doing. So congratulations and all the best for your future.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate.